Well, a very good evening to you. Welcome. It's another big kickoff a rugby podcast. And I'm delighted to say I've got uh, John Kingston on the line. We've also got uh, uh, Nathan Johns from uh, The Spiral, uh, Tony Diprose, Sean Phelan, who's a massive Harlequins fan, and I'm sure he's still celebrating after the weekend. Uh, talking of Harlequins, former uh, director of rugby, Conor O'Shea, you've also got as well. And I think we've got another person coming on very, very shortly, but I'll introduce them as they come on. Uh, we, we, we will be talking a lot about Harlequins for various reasons. And also we're going to dip into the British and Irish Lions and a couple of other issues as well. But there's only one place to start. The weekend, Twickenham, Saturday afternoon. What more can I say? Sean has virtually lost his voice and hopefully he will get it back eventually at some point. Um, let's start. Uh, Connor, I'm going to bring you in first of all, OK? Um, no doubt you saw the match over the uh, uh, weekend in particular. I'm sure your eyes and everything were smiling. <laughs> I can tell that as well. Um, what a game. What a performance. We have to give credit to Exeter, who were absolutely superb, but Harley Quinn's or even better, weren't they? What was your thoughts on that brilliant final? It was just sensational. I mean, the shame was the crowd. I think we both, it, it brought back some incredible memories, I'm sure for Dips and for, for JK as well, uh, of of having days like that. And I, I'm sure we both texted loads of people after the game. I was neutral, obviously, in my current role. I was very neutral, so I didn't mind who, who won the game. But it was you know, brilliant for people like Charles Gillians and and Duncan Savile and what they've done for the club over the years. Um, some of the old stages that came good over the last couple. I mean, would any of us, not even John Kingston's best friends who might like the odd bet, would have put money at 28-0 down in the semi-final that Quinns would have ended up winning this? And, uh, you know, I was at the... England-France women's game and I bumped into Marcus Smith and Caden Murley outside the stoop when they were on their way back after Marcus had scored a last-minute try against London Irish. You think of all those last-minute wins. Yes, the last-minute loss to Bristol through this season, the style of rugby they played, um, a defence's coach's nightmare uh, because uh, they're the Kevin Keegan of rugby. So I'm sure there's uh, a lot of sharing around the defensive duties. Just a great advert for rugby and so pleased for the club for certain of the older stagers. Um, I'll leave the others till now. You could talk all day. I dropped Mike Brown a text in the morning of the match to say, you know, tough day for you personally, even though you're behind the lads. And he said, yeah, I can't even get on the pitch. I sent him a text after the game. For someone who couldn't get on the pitch after the match, he did a bloody good job. So uh, <laughs> there was nobody stopping him. Brilliant day. It was. Um, Connor, you, you, you remember 2012, obviously. You were in Charles then, weren't you? And um, I mean, that was a great occasion, wasn't it, to be fair? Um, but I think it was slightly different this, this season, wasn't it? Because obviously back in 2012, Queen's finished top of the regular season. I, I believe they only lost four uh, premiership games during the course of that season as well. So to be fair, they were probably slight favourites going into that match, weren't you? But But this season... It's been the complete opposite, hasn't it? I mean, Quinns have had to do it, as you said, the hard way. They've made the run up into fourth place. They've had to beat the two best sides in the country as well. So I know it's a different comparison, isn't it, comparing, say, this season to what it was like, you know, when, when they won it in 2012. 
Yeah, well, you don't compare at all. I mean, it's like uh, on each each group. I mean, there's there's some crossover in the likes of Marler and Care and and, and those guys and, and Brownie to an extent and some of the fellas that were around Will Collier was on the pitch Joe Gray was back um, but then there's a whole new breed and Dips is in a better position uh, Dips would have been the one talking to myself and JK about some of those young fellas because the, even though Dips was straddled both the academy and the senior team and mm. he knew all these guys when they were 13 coming up but when you're myself and JK you're kind of saying thanks for talking about that 13 or 14 year old Marcus Smith but can I have him tomorrow uh, you're thinking about the here and now so um, it's just special for the club in so many different ways and I think it's a there's a lot of testament to it, the the strength of will to stay true to their val- the, the values of the way they play and I think that comes out in a lot of the way they talk which does talk about the way probably the team set up to play all those years ago as well and that, that's what was good to see and they could easily lot. There are turning points in every game. There are turning points in the semi-final, little things. And, uh, you know, I hope they enjoyed the moment. It looks like after three days of uh, celebrating some of the players, and, and probably Sean still is. But I go back to a moment in my life and career when I sat with JK in the stand in, in the stoop, and it's a night I'll never forget. And we tried to drink in the moment, not literally, uh, or, or physically, but just savor it for just one moment on our own to to remember the occasion because they don't happen all the time. And it was different for us. We had the the target in our, our back the whole way because we were the number one. Right. This was a different story, but nonetheless, nonetheless special. So, uh, yeah, there's there's uh, there's so much that you could talk about. You know, Dips will talk about those. I'm sure those younger fellas and some of the, the tough moments that make those great moments worth it. And, I hope this current group celebrated properly because when you're young, I think Marla said it after the game, mm. you don't appreciate it. When you're probably us as a coaching team, we were, we'd won the Challenge Cup, we'd won the Premiership, but all of a sudden you, you just expect it. And I remember us not celebrating winning the LV Cup as well as we should have probably the following year because winning is special uh, no matter what you win. And uh, this group, some young players, you know, you look at guys who played not even a dozen games for the club and their premiership champions, some of these young fellas. It won't be always like that for them. Um, <laughs> so I hope they enjoy what they have at the moment. Brilliant. Um, I'll come back to you in a minute, uh, Connor. Um, JK, what was your thoughts on uh, the weekend's performance and everything overall, really? I mean, you know, what was your take on it? Honestly, wasn't surprised because... I think it was quite clear with the way that they had set up. Nobody was going to put the shackles on Harlequins. There was no one that that they'd laid down exactly what they were going to be about. And Connor's just talked about words. They keep using the word true. And it actually has a double meaning because that's in it is the whole thing. Tempo, ruthless, unpredictable and enjoyment, which... Those four letters, they were standing for things and they clearly have gone back into the annals of what that was all about, the part of the Quinn style, which has been in the club for, frankly, 14, 15 years. So they were never going to change what they were doing. And my analogy for them was that they had to have a puncher's chance. Because if you're going to go into a game and you can score 30 points and you can score points as quickly as they do, you better be on it. Otherwise, you're going to find it very hard. And Exeter let them go at times. Bristol made the mistake of letting them go. They lost momentum. Momentum is a massive thing in sport anyway. But this team had a sheer belief 
in what they were doing and they were going to carry on and they were going to play and that was the most laudable thing for me was they bought into a system that for them worked they believed worked and if a team and a group of people buy into something it's amazing how far you can get uh, it was just an amazing amazing two weeks frankly and i will say also this and it's probably not been stated enough when you have the emotion that they'll have had at winning at ashton gate in the way that they did to bring a team back up i don't care if it's a final inside seven days to put them back into the mental state to be able to handle everything that was going to go with the final let alone how close it was all the way that is really, really commendable. It's massive. I mean, it's just extraordinary mental and belief in themselves. And, uh, you know, as I said, I honestly was not shocked. If there was ever going to happen this year, it, it was going to happen this year, said way back in November when no Saracens in there, chance to get in the top four. And actually, sometimes when you come in like that on the blind side, there's no pressure on you. So you can have that freedom. And when you then add in the fact nobody was going to take the shackles off them, it was a potent mix and yeah, it was an immensely proud day, I have to say, watching it. Tony, um, let's get your take on the uh, first of all the semi-final, because I know we're obviously talking about the final, but they had to do it the hard way in that, as we know, you know, 28 nil down after 28 minutes. Very few sides will come back from that, especially against a very good Bristol side. But somehow they managed to get that try right on the uh, stroke of half-time from uh, Alex Donbrand. And I think that was crucial, wasn't it? To get them some momentum to kick-start that second half. Yeah, I think it's a, <clears throat> I think it's a funny one in that I, I always thought they had a good chance against Bristol when they were matched in the semi-final because the way that Bristol play gets you in the game as much as it gets them in the game. You know, they, they give you opportunities. And that's what they did. And, and, and they, <clears throat> I'll, I'm sure... Pat Lamb and Bristol look back and, and, and reflect a little, but they probably gave Carla Quinn some opportunities. As John said, they don't they don't need many of these young guys to take and, and, and get themselves going. Uh, and they grabbed some things just after half time. You know, they're playing around just outside their 22, which was the way that Bristol have played all season, but maybe wasn't the right time at that time in the semi-final. Um, and so I always thought they had a chance. I, I thought I honestly thought Exeter might be a step too far. I thought Exeter's defence might be able to cope a bit more. Reality is it couldn't. And, uh, you know, you could see they were run ragged by the end. And they were, you know, I, I looked from a defensive aspect at times and they, and they were pulled out the line. I mean, look, you know, you've got some very talented players and, you know, watching Marcus pull the strings at the end and, you know, his performance in the last 20 minutes, you know, ball in hand. And then, you know, he's kicking off the tee. You know, you, you, the small things, but, you know, the conversion to then put them ahead, massive. And then the conversion that then took them more than one score clear. Yeah, there was every chance that if Exeter got a chance, they were going to score. I'm, I'm pretty sure Quinns couldn't defend Exeter either from what I saw. So, you know, just, just those moments. Um, but anyway, yeah, as, as, as John and, uh, and Connor said, it brought back some great memories. Um, you know, I, I dropped a few texts, as, as the guys said. And uh, when I dropped uh, Daddy Care a text and sort of said, oh, look, I hope you're celebrating. I think it was about Tuesday, and he said, "Yep, still going." So uh, I think they are enjoying themselves, and uh, and 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 they deserve it because uh, you know they've, they've 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 played themselves into history, and you know we enjoyed it nine years ago, and I'm sure these guys will too. And uh, you know it was it was a proud moment for the club, and you know as Connor said, some of those young guys. You know, I've seen when they were 13, 14, 15, you know, some of them the older ones now, the Marlers, but some of them, you know, watching 
Louis Liner and, and, and Marcus and, and Caden and Jack Kenningham. I mean, you know, he's in the England squad next week. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and, and seeing him come through as a, a slightly later developer who needed a different route and a different opportunity. And, uh, you know, what a magnificent job he's done for Will Evans over the last few weeks. Tony, I know we've talked quite a bit on the Big Kickoff Rugby podcast about Marcus Smith and, you know, what, what this kid can do, how much he's got a, an advanced rugby game. But there was there was faces in that final on Saturday where he gambles a lot, quite rightly so, because he backs everybody, doesn't he? You know, there was chances there where, I mean, for instance, there was one instance where, they, to be fair, he, he probably could have taken the three points. But no, they didn't want to do that, did they? It was a case of, he backs everybody, doesn't he? Because he he, he really does. I'd say, I, I mean, I would say lead the, uh, this side because obviously he's not a captain as such, so to speak. But he's a, an architect of everything, isn't he? He's the quarterback, and you know that's what yeah. fly halves are. They 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 run the show. Uh, look, Marcus. I look from my side. The biggest thing that's been really enjoyable is seeing him play with a smile on his face. Which when Marcus is playing well, he plays with a smile on his face. He's enjoying himself. He's doing what he does naturally. And I think fair play to the coaches and the group of players there, they've allowed him to do that. And, you know, I mean, Danny looks at, you know, rejuvenated inside of him and looks more like the player that, you know, I've seen over a number of years. And it's just, just refreshing to see that, see that approach. Yeah, the shackles have been taken off and, uh, and it's allowed those guys to thrive. And, you know, look, Marcus is, Marcus is more than just a, you know, good ball player. He kicks intelligently as well. His goal kicking has improved out of hand, and that's because he's worked at it. I, you know, it's there's no there's no secret. Marcus, you know, definitely had some talents, and you know, was seeing him come through. But I remember times where we've talked about, well, Marcus, you know, you need to think about your speed and how you know. And he took that as a right. That's something I'll go away and work on. And you can see that, you know, he's over ten meters. He's electric. He puts people in all sorts of bother, and and and, and that's the sort of player he is. I hope that he gets an opportunity over the summer to see it at a different level, albeit you know USA and Canada isn't New Zealand and South Africa, but you know that's that's the challenge and and, and that's that, that's hopefully his pathway. But um, you know seeing him in those quarters, you know he won the Under 18s Academy League and now he's won the Premiership as well. And uh, you know hopefully he'll be there doing that for for Quinns for a number of years. Just quickly, Tony, <laughs> Joe Marler. <laughs> I mean, ninety. 90- was it 96 minutes, I think, wasn't it? He played against Bristol, right? You know, for a, for a front row player, 96 minutes, most players would be out on their feet, weren't they? But he, he just carries on, doesn't he? And he was absolutely brilliant, wasn't he, in the final on Saturday as well? I mean, yeah, what more can you say about Joe Marler? Well, uh, you know, I, Joe, Joe's a character. He always has been works in different ways and sometimes you get the best of Joe and sometimes you don't and you know I think he you can see he's enjoying what he's doing at the moment he's in a good mind space you know I know he's talked a lot about it and about his mental issues and and what he's been about which I think is really healthy for everyone in terms of where he is and what he's doing he's talked about swimming in the sea I've been doing a bit of that it's maybe not getting me into his shape but uh, you know it's great to see him just enjoying himself as well and enjoying having fun with the young guys um and he's a world-class player. You know, I know he plays the clown at times. Um, he's a world-class loose head prop. Um, you know, there's a reason why he's played a number of times for England, played in World Cup finals, and, and he's played for the British Lions because he is a world-class player. And what he's done for Harlequins over the last you know, a long time 
but you know it's shown evidently over this last maybe six weeks is he has put in a series of world class performances on a club stage. Brilliant. Thanks, uh, Dipto. I'll come back to you shortly. Um, I'm going to bring Sean in now, uh, Harley Quinn's fan, uh, with the voice, or what's left of it. Knuckles. Knuckles. <laughs> um, terrific turnaround. You as a fan, could you have imagined this back in December? Oh, absolutely not. How, how could you? We were, I think they even said on commentary, we were dead and buried by January and champions by June. Uh, I don't think anyone thought these days would come back, especially not this quickly anyway. Overall, what what what, what do you put this down to? I mean, is, is it players' belief or is it, you know, I know John mentions the wonderful word momentum, as we all do. Um, you know, you can sit back and look at certain points of a season, can't you, really, where things have swung and changed. But overall, what, what would you put it down to as a fan? I think the players have clearly bought into something when Gustard left. What that was, was clearly to go back to the DNA. Um, and they've, and it's shown, you know, the, the last six weeks and especially the last two weeks have shown that actually this has worked and this is the way that rugby should be being played. And whether you're Exeter, Saracens, Bristol, the best teams in the world, you can't cope with it. You won't be able to cope with sort of the basketball mentality of if, if you score one, we're going to score two. As, as, as a neutral, that's a joy to watch, but as a fan, it must be absolutely <laughs> oh, bad on the heart and everything. I think I think I went through every emotion on Saturday. Every emotion, you know, um, elation, frustration, um, nerves, all sorts. It was, uh, I thought 2012 was probably the best rugby day of my life, but mm. oh, this, this just blew it out of the water. Because it was, just, it just felt special. Because 2012, as as Connor said at the start, we you know we went in being the top of the league and almost favourites, and it was it was brilliant. This time round, no one really gave us shot, gave us a shot, especially even probably six weeks ago. So <clears throat> to to have that day again and to be in the stadium with uh, the majority of it being Quinns fans, it was just it was just. A day on, I'll certainly never forget. I guess um, another factor is they've had to do it without key players, haven't they? At times, remember, you know, I mean, you've lost Will Evans, haven't you, for a good chunk of those matches as well. Obviously, Jack Kenningham, who, who quite a few people have touched on, I'm going to shortly as well, has been absolutely outstanding, hasn't he? I mean, so much so that obviously he's been now called up for England as such as well. Uh, but I mean, you, know, you, you, you could sit down and name so many players, admittedly, in particular. But what do you think about this crop of youngsters at the moment? You, you know, you must be quite excited, mustn't you, as a Harlequins fan? Uh, not just as a Harlequins fan, as an England fan. Mm. You know, you've got Kenan in this one, Don Brandt, Marcus Smith. You know, Lewis Liner could probably deserve a phone call, Connor. Um <laughs> You know, it's, there's, and there's a few more that will probably be there or thereabouts in the next year or two. So it's, it's exciting for England. And if you know, Marcus gets his chance and Don Brandt gets his chance next week and the week after, as an England fan as well, you should be very, very excited. Brilliant. Connor, I'm just, um, just going to bring you in. Um, I know you're a busy man and you've got to go in a few minutes. So I'm going to leave the last few minutes to you. Um, have you seen much of Jack Kenningham 
Cunningham, sorry. Uh, I think, as I said, Dips would know would know more about him than than, than we would uh, in terms of knowledge going back because that, that's the whole thing about any process that you put in place. But just going back, I tell you, Sean, nobody told us that we were favourites going into that final. I have to admit, if, if even though we're at top of the league, it didn't feel like it. <laughs> but I, I, it's so many things that have been talked about. Oh, you could spend all night here, and I just write writing some of the stuff down that the the lads have been saying and. You know, you look back at moments. You talk about Joe Marler when Callum Sheedy in the semi-final stepped up or sat in the pocket and went for the drop goal. They charge him down or they make him go. Who makes the tackle? It's Joe Marler, and that's the game. And it's not the gla- it's not the the glam moment, but it's the moments that make the difference. And it was really interesting listening to Rob Baxter. You talk about buy-in. I, I Exeter have a way of playing, and. Dippy will probably have the stats on it even now, straight off. But they don't kick goals. They never have. They kick into the corner and they kill you. In two points up in that final, when even though it was an easy kickable penalty, when they didn't kick that goal, I thought, sugar, they've actually let Quinns off here. And Quinns were on the verge of breaking. And you could hear Rob Baxter, and that's what King of says about buying into something. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Exeter will win a heck of a lot of times, but it's your way. There's an Exeter way, there's a Bristol way, there's a Quinn's way, and there'll be a Saracen's way. And when they didn't kick that goal, that was the moment I went, Quinn's are back in this, because it released pressure. And it was 15 minutes to go, but I reckon if they kicked into a corner, it would have been different. And it's amazing buying into something and sticking to it. And you could see that was Rob Baxter's probably frustration straight after. The first thing he said was 28-26, couldn't understand why we kicked the goal. And I thought that was really insightful as to what they were about. And you, you talk about players, and I'll be down to watch the under-20s tomorrow in Cardiff, and young Sam Riley at hooker looks like a real, uh, like a crackerjack of a hooker. And yeah, set piece, all of the things to work on for a hooker. But Wardley did a good job for plenty of years as well as a, as a hooker at Quinns. But there's someone, you have young kids behind people like Louis, like Connor Slevin and uh, Cassius Cleves. So there's a lot of good young players at Quinns on, on the way up to join this group. But I woke up and you always go back to your own moments and myself, Dipson and JK will talk about it. I hadn't realized going into the final. I just missed, I missed it really um, because you, you're not living with them and in the, in the moment that Esterheisen had come back in mm. to the mix for that final and best players on the pitch make a difference. And you talk about Jack and he's been outstanding. Like Will Evans was brilliant this year, mm. but suddenly I looked, I saw, gee, you will go low and you've got uh, Joe in the front row. You've got, uh, someone like Dumbrant at eight, you've got your nine, ten, you've got this unbelievable beast at 12. And I was going, Bloody, that's, a, that's a good team. That's not a, like you talk about Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, not so much. They've got a bloke who can punch holes, who can cause, they've got a pack who can scrummage and cause damage. They've got good guys over the breakdown and they've got magic. And going back to King, oh, that's a puncher's chance. Exeter lost Dave viewers, lost Vermeulen, lost Sam Skinner. And you're, okay, what's their pack looking like? It's like rugby is a really strange game when it comes to it. So whereas I really, I I do believe there's a lot of good youngsters in a lot of clubs at the moment. There's a lot of outstanding young talents in in that Quinns uh, group coming through. Um, Danny is the man they need to replace. 
And that's the big, because I like Mark is outstanding, but Danny's tempo, the, what he brings to the game week in, week out, how will they fare next year mm. as potentially they lose Marcus more, potentially they lose Dumbrat more. Um, Danny becomes a year older. So these are the challenges that all coaching teams have to face. So for the moment, stop thinking about it, enjoy it, and think about how then. But uh, there's a lot to be, I've said, I think all of us, yeah, when it comes to Charles, uh, Gillian, uh, Duncan Savile, David Morgan, people like that. Um, it's, a, it's a great day for a lot of people in that club. So, uh, God, you could talk about it all day. Uh, but little moments that um, JK talks about momentum, how it shifts so easily in a match. And if you stick to your style and lose, that's what we all said. Who cares? Mm. Because you've been true to yourself. But if you go down, and that's what I got from Rob Baxter immediately after the match, I could sense this. Why did we kick? Why did we kick the goal? We never kick a goal. And you could feel that in him. Um, yeah, just uh, enjoy the moment. See what next year brings. Brilliant. Connor, thanks very much for being on. Absolute pleasure. See you, Dips. Uh, see you, JK. It was great to see both of you. Sorry for shooting off. No worries. <laughs> great to see you, Connor. Take care. Bye. Uh, look after yourself. Thanks very much, Connor. Um, so we're left with uh, Nathan, who I'm going to bring in in a minute. We're talking a bit about the British and Irish Lions. Uh, Tony and Sean, just one last bit on them. Uh, Queens very very quickly. Yeah, Sean. Connor mentioned about Andre uh, Oosterheisen, who I think he was key in that final. It was crucial that Quinns got him back, and as Connor said, he proved yet again also to be a, a massive influence and a big match winner as well. Absolutely, he's um, not just the the power going forward, but he offers some defensive structure as well, um, where. You know, We've missed him over the last few weeks. All right, we've we've won most of those games, but we needed that punch um, and that big, you know, as Connor said, the big game player. You know, he's been all over the place. Same with Will Curry Lowe. You know, two both Springboks, big game players. You need them in your in your team. You can have the box office around you, but they're they're the solid ones. The same with, you know. Stefan Louise as well, who and Matt Simmons, who were just incredible in the second row, and, and they probably don't get the credit that they deserve, but they were absolutely outstanding. Uh, and Scott Baldwin too. The list goes on, doesn't it? <laughs> you can say about 15, well, even more if you include the replacements, all heroes as such as well. Thanks, Sean. Tony, um, at long last... Marcus Smith has been recognised, it has to be said. Uh, England have called up Marcus Smith, obviously, uh, um, well, not just about the weekend, but to be fair, what he's done during the course of the season. Uh, Alex Dombrandt is in. Uh, we've mentioned about Jack Canyon, but Joe Marchant, who I thought was excellent at the weekend as well, also, he has been recalled as well. Uh, well what's your thoughts on those four players being recalled, uh, picked now for an England cap? Albeit, admittedly, as Connor said, it's only going to be against the USA and Canada. But at the end of the day, to play in an England shirt and to get those players in, I know Joe Martin's been there before, obviously, but others haven't. It's a fantastic achievement, isn't it? Uh, it's a major achievement. And, you know, I was lucky enough to win my first caps for England when the Lions were away. I then went out to the Lions on the, in, the same, in the same summer. So you never know. Strange things have happened for some of these guys who are, who are coming in. You know, you, I've won two caps in Argentina and then suddenly ended up in South Africa in 1997. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think a real, a real achievement. I look, I'm really interested to see what, what England try and do with Marcus. 
You know, mm-hmm. there's no point bringing Marcus Smith into a side if you're going to kick the lever off it and, and play a tactical kicking game. So they've got to work out whether that's what they want to do. Um, you know, I think Don Brandt adds a different level. I mean, you know, we have mentioned probably every Quinns player. The uh, one who hasn't been mentioned is James Chisholm, who had a magnificent last game and a half of the season. And I think he has had some outstanding performances throughout the season. He's had his injuries as well. Um, but I thought he was huge. And Alex Dombran only plays if the guys are doing the hard work around him. I know what that's like. You know, Richard Hill did a lot of good work at Saracens for me when I was at Saracens <laughs> and a lot of the hard stuff um, and, and definitely helped me to play the way I wanted to play. Um, Chisholm and Kenningham on the weekend did a lot of graft. And I'm not saying that Alex doesn't do some graft, but he then gets the ability to work in those wider channels or run the brilliant lines that he runs. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they do for a balance of the back row. Um, Marchant, I think, has been outstanding over a number of seasons now. Certainly one of the best defensive 13s. Got some versatility to go out onto the wing. Um, just, you know, just a really, really good rugby player. Lovely skills. Um, uh, and then Jack Henningham. I mean, <laughs> there's a story in itself. I, you know, I, I give huge credit to Jim Evans in, in the Harlequins Academy because when I, whilst I was in charge of the Quinns Academy at the time and, and Jim came to me and talked to me about Jack and said, look, we, we need to look further. Um, we need to give him a few more opportunities um, and, and pushed him because he was someone who... He'd been on our radar, but was off the edge of the radar, wasn't right in the forefront. Talented group of players that year um, that, you know, he wasn't probably in that group to start with. And he forced his way through. And I exchanged a few texts with um, Jim over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, my description of, of Jack, Chris Robshaw, with a bit more pace. She's a bit harsh on Chris, but uh, you know, for, the, for, the, for me, that's what he brings. He does all the things that Chris used to do. And, you know, we talked about Chris sometimes being two players at once. That's what Jack does. His work rate's outstanding. He puts himself in places you don't want to go. Think about the chop tackle on their own line. Um, and and, and he, he's also got that little bit of sharpness about him. And, and you know, he'll, he's got tons to learn. And, I, and I'm sure that's what this invite into the England side's about. But hey, if you get an opportunity over these next couple of weeks, why wouldn't you grab it? Mm. Thanks, Tony. Uh, we're going to have the last word with uh, Nathan. He's waiting very patiently. I'm going to bring you in, Nathan, on uh, British and Irish Lions. Um, obviously, we've had the warm-up game. No uh, English players picked there as such, but um, it was a bad, uh, bad news for the Lions, obviously, with uh, Alan Wynne-Jones having that uh, bad shoulder injury. I mean, that's obviously ruled him out of the forthcoming series. Uh, Connor Murray's been given the captain's role. As an Irish person, how does that go down with you? Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure Anthony Watson was playing up in Merrifield. He got off the bench, didn't he? So there was at least some English representation. Um, <laughs> some, very little, but some, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that will surely go up. Um, but the Conor Murray thing is very interesting. I think Warren Gatland is clearly somebody who is not afraid to go with a decision that he sees as right, regardless of common opinion you know I, I would question whether he even pays much attention to people like us talking about the game who are not on the outside because clearly no none of us saw the Connemary decision coming and there have been countless decisions from Gatland in Lions history that that, that that you could say that as well you know no more none more so than the O'Driscoll one back in 2013 but that one proved out to be the right call um, and the general consensus seems to be that Initial, initial shock to the Murray decision, but it makes a lot of sense. If you look at maybe the other candidates that were there um, that are on in the squad already, you know, someone like Owen Farrell 
you know, is he is he going to play? Um, it, it seems like Dan Biggers has, you know, is in, is in control of the 10 jersey at the minute. Um, so is Farrell going to get in? Will he play at 12 instead of Bundy Aki? I don't know. Gallen seems to really like Bundy. Um, you know, another name that was thrown about was Maro Otoje. Well, he's come off the back of a below average Six Nations for him and he's been playing championship rugby. So there's no guarantee that he gets into the side either. Although that's now been made easier for him, obviously, with the loss of Alan Wynne Jones. And then you look back and Connor has gone on two tours and he's been quietly very good on two tours. And, you know, the point has been made at home across various channels that, you know, Connor has struggled maybe since the highs of his 2018 form, but he's always managed to get to some sort of level of consistency. And maybe a lot of the, a lot of the flack that he gets is because the standard he set before was just, was just that high. And, you know, it's, it, that's, that was an unsustainable high for, for anyone. So I think it makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of, you know, scrum half is probably one of the least competitive positions on the on the park. Um, maybe apart from tight head prop, I think that and scrum half are probably two of the more nailed on starters at the minute, at least. Um, so and so it makes a lot of sense that and he's been on two tours as well. So yeah, initial initial shock, but once once you actually break it down and think about it, you can certainly see where where Gatlin was going with it. Couple of minutes left. How big a loss and a blow is it going to be having? Uh, a leader like Alan Wynne-Jones now not being able to play. Well, I think it's massive, isn't it? What he, look what he does for Wales um, on a regular basis. You know, not only is he a leader, but he, you know, he, he tops all the tackle charts and and you know, he gets these up there with the, with the carry charts as well. So someone's going to have to step up. There's no there's no doubt about that. I thought Ian Henderson was very good against uh, against Japan in Murrayfield. He's someone who you know for a long time has threatened to be that sort of figure for Ireland. He, he was that figure in the Six Nations. Can he do it for Lions now? Who knows. We obviously all know what Mario Otoje can do um, with his, you know, athleticism, and he has the ability to also dominate those those second row statistics as well. So a massive loss and leadership wise as well. But you know, we spoke about other potential captains there. There's lots of leadership in that group, um, and there are other players who can step up and play um, just as well as Alan Wynn. So it's a it's a big loss, but you know, there are people there who hopefully can step up. Lovely. Thank you very much, uh, guys. Uh... Pleasure as always. Thanks very much to uh, John Kingston, Nathan Johns, uh, Tony Diprose, and Sean Phelan, who eventually the voice will come back, Sean. Trust me. Hopefully before the start of next season. (laughs) I'm sure it will do, actually. (laughs) This has been the Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast. I've been Peter Moore. We will be back in the next few weeks for another Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast, uh, talking about... what's coming up with the Lions tour and various other rugby issues as well. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and uh, pleasure as always. You take care and we will speak soon.